1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. My colleague, Salem Radio, has a national show that emanates from the Washington, D.C. area. And he's a former, what would, what would be the word in the in the Trump administration, a former... Deputy assistant. Thank you. And uh, Sebastian Gorka knows a lot, and I want to get his take on the FBI raid. There is a piece, Sebastian, I don't know if you saw it in, uh, in, in Real Clear Politics, just came up. It's titled Federal Bureau of Intimidation. And I thought that that is an appropriate term that we might want to continue to use. What do you think? Uh, as uh, We can use that new term until we
2: dismantle the FBI. It has to be taken apart brick by brick, and it saddens me to say that. Before I joined the, the White House, uh, my wife Katie and I had a company that provided um, the only external counter- counterterrorism training on ISIS and al-Qaeda to the counterterrorism division of the Bureau, which meant... Over the span of five years, I trained literally thousands of FBI special agents, intelligence analysts and support staff. And it was a matter of pride for me, whichever field office I was in. I'd be re- received by the local you know, special agent in charge. I'd get the challenge coin from that bureau, from that, from that regional office. I'd get the pin of the FBI, and I'd wear them with pride. Now, if the FBI knocked on my door, Dennis, I would tell them to pound sand and go and talk to my lawyers. It has become a political police arm of the Biden administration and the DNC more particularly.
1: Good. So in light of your positive experience with many agents, and I know this is somewhat speculative, but I'd like you to speculate. What percentage of those working in the FBI are ashamed of the FBI? I I don't think I can
2: give you even an approximate percentage for that because it doesn't matter. As you have said so, so many times, and I actually used it on my show last week with full accreditation, there are three types of people. There are the fighters, there are those that assist the the fighters, and there are those that do nothing. Now, what your reason for doing nothing is is irrelevant functionally. So uh, as an expert on communism and and the Cold War who traveled behind the Iron Curtain, Dennis, you know that it's not, the question isn't how many people Mm -hmm. uh, are truly communists. The question is how many people were prepared to resist or how many were prepared to create the permissive environment. Superb in which answer. It-
1: That's a superb, superb answer. Do, you, do you, in light of that, I, I I know you know, because of your family background in Hungary, but very few Americans knew this. A tiny percentage of the Soviet population were members of the Communist Party. It doesn't not, take not, a lot. No, not only that. All, all it takes is a, is a very dedicated,
2: hardcore, radical uh, minority to, to drive their ideology. Uh, the, you know, I mean, the, the percent—forget membership of the, the Communist Party, Dennis. How many people do, do? I'll ask. I'll ask you the question. Now, how many people do we think in the Soviet Union had ever read Das Kapital or the Communist Manifesto? I, I would say a fraction of a percentage, which is which, 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 which means you know you're cognizant, buying into the ideology ideology is irrelevant if you do nothing to stop it it's it's like Vaclav Havel said it's like Solzhenitsyn said it takes one person to tell the truth that is enough to start the cracks forming but if you refuse to tell the truth then the 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 persecution and the ideological framework is maintained
1: your answer to my question was and I, I I accept it fully it's irrelevant I asked what, yeah. what percentage of agents are ashamed of the FBI, but if they don't, if they don't speak up, if they they don't engage in dissent, that percentage is irrelevant. So I, I, I would yeah go. On. I would hope that you or I, if we had
2: been the field agents in Florida in the Southern District who had had this uh, warrant handed down to us from the Hoover Building in D.C. to raid a former president's home, we would have said, here's my badge, here's my gun, I don't do
1: this. They didn't. That's correct. That's a very important point about the raid that just took place. The Washington Post reported that it is related to the former president having nuclear codes. As I said to you at the very end of the last segment, I know nothing about nuclear codes, but I am a big believer in common sense. It has done very uh, good for me all of my life. And it seems to me that as soon as a president leaves office, they change the codes. Do you right. know does that make sense? So let's
2: have a look at why this is actually, you know, it's outrageous that they're raiding a former president's private home, but, but why it's also absurd. The narrative is changing every 12 hours, Dennis. First, we were told that it's because there were documents that had, it, had to go back into the National Archive. That was the first justification. Then we were told that it was something to do with nuclear weapons. And now we're told even later than that that it's something to do with the Espionage Act. When the narrative justification changes every day, that's because they don't have a real justification. To, to your concrete question... Uh, the nuclear launch codes uh, uh, it's not a number they tell the president you know, on inauguration day and that he you know, writes on the palm of his hand. It's actually a briefcase. It's called the nuclear football. It is carried by his military aide and he's within 30 feet of the president 24 hours a day. The president doesn't have a piece of folded paper in his wallet that he takes out and reads the launch codes on. So the idea that he has launch codes is of course asinine. The launch codes are with the current military aid to Joe Biden. And of course, they are regularly changed for all kinds of security reasons. More importantly, when it comes to any kind of classification, when you leave government you do not get to keep your clearance every clearance lasts for five years as soon as it expires it's gone it's disappeared unless you're still doing work for the government you do not have a reason to have a clearance with the exception of cabinet members and directors of agencies like the cia director presidents for example go to their coffins go into the grave with their security clearance at the highest level which includes nuclear or q security clearance jimmy carter yes he's still alive jimmy carter still maintains the highest level of national security clearance in america so the idea that any former president would be abusing or reading things he's not supposed to read again is asinine it's a lie and then secondly why did it take a year and a half for them to come after the nuclear codes? Because if it were nuclear codes, that's rather important. It's all spurious. It is all a farrago. It is all a tissue of lies.
1: Well, you went through the, the three, the, what was it, archives, nuclear codes, espionage, espionage act. act. Yeah. yeah. By Correct. the way, the espionage act is like 100 years old. Is that right? Yes. Correct. Yeah. And what, what, what again? What again? In a nutshell, does it say?
2: Uh, it has to do with your giving uh, classified, it doesn't have to be classified, it can be information of national security import to our enemies. So, so what we're positing, they actually think Donald Trump is giving nuclear launch codes to little Kim in North Korea. This is the level of derangement we are dealing with inside the FBI, the DOJ and the White House. And on top of that, the idea that the White House didn't know, hang on a second, you're telling us really this is about nu- nuclear codes, but you didn't tell
1: the White House. House, again absurd what do you think is going I I, I hate to ask predictive questions but I, I don't understand what the end game is is it if you support Donald Trump you may be in real trouble is it we really want to jail this man what do you think?
2: two things. Uh, Number one, to prevent him from running. There will be a criminal indictments uh, leveraged from the January 6th committee concerning sedition or the obstruction of an official proceedings against President Trump himself. They're going to probably use this raid as well to levy additional charges against him with regards to classified documents. They wish to prevent him from running. Why? Because they know he will be a one-term president, does not have to get re-elected, and he can really clean the swamp in his second term. And secondly, their boy has, you know, he's in a 28% approval rating. Whether it's 2 million illegals, 9% inflation, the disaster in Ukraine, they have nothing to run on so they have to gin up the anti-Trump hatred. Secondly, and this, this is happening at the same time, the January 6 hearings are about intimidating the 74 million Americans that voted for him. When, when you're When you're giving four-month prison sentences to grandmothers who strolled into the statuary room of Congress, it, it's not about just the president or Peter Navarro, or Steve Bannon. It's about anybody who dares to use the phrase make America great again without being vituperative about it.
1: I'm going to go to an area of, of psychoanalysis, uh, but it's been seriously. Do you think that Merrick Garland is animated by anger <laughs> over not getting into the Supreme Court? I would be I
2: mean I would be surprised if he weren't. But Merrick Garland isn't the center of gravity for what is occurring right now. He is, my favorite phrase for him, is a meat puppet. I mean, look at the way this man testifies on, on Capitol Hill. He's not exactly a giant amongst the men. That, that so called press conference where he spent most of the time praising the FBI. Why are you praising the FBI? You mean the FBI that lied about FISA search warrants against Carter Page and General Flynn, that FBI? So he's an inconsequential figure who is just rubber stamping these issues. The real person in charge is. Lisa Monaco, the deputy attorney general who was uh, Obama's chief counterterrorism strategist. So, so it's, it's the old Obama schlep that are really running things. And it's the same people. Her deputy was responsible for the Russia-Russia hoax, invest, hoax investigation. So the people who tried to besmirch and smear President Trump for four years are the real people running the DOJ. Merrick Garland is just rubber stamping the, the, the warrants.
1: Boy, am I glad I spoke to you. <laughs> I am. I, I'm sure I cheered you up greatly, as Hungarians are wont to do. That's funny. <laughs> I love that. I love, I love your comment. It has nothing to do with your being Hungarian. It has to do with the fact that you know so much and you're a truth teller. Sebastian Gorka, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy.